Great dinner. All right, we're ready. Johnny Mac talking to me right before the show started. That's why I was throwing a fist up. How are you, Birds fans? We got two hours of uh, Philadelphia Eagle conversation coming your way. I am Judy McDonald. He's Jeff Kerr in for John McMillan. Oh, but wait, no, John McMillan is right here with us. He's already down at the Novacare Complex getting ready to go inside the building and uh, get ready for another Eagles practice. But he's jumping aboard with us to start the show. Gentlemen, good morning. How is everybody? Hey, John, are you trying to get in Howie Roseman's office right now? I'm sure you'd love to be a fly on no, that. No, I, I, I got it because I'm a reporter. I'm en route to the – I'm not there. I have okay. to stop at the the, the – the Wawa parking lot, the old Wawa parking lot. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll let you get your coffee in a couple of minutes. But thanks for hopping on early with us. John, we got about 87 questions for you, uh, or at least I did before I went to bed last night, lined up what uh, happened yesterday in practice and what we wanted to talk about today. Oh, and then a tweet came out last night from Chris DePasso from CBS Sports that talks could be heating up between the Eagles and the Texans and the Deshaun Watson rumors just refuse to go away. They're probably not going to go away for a year and a half. Uh, but uh, according to one viable reporter, they are heating up again. Uh, will you be talking about anything else while you're standing around with your uh, fellow beat mates waiting before practice? Yeah, we'll be talking about other stuff. I mean, this has been going on for a while. I've, I've been talking about it for a long time. Uh, I think people really started to latch on to it when, Adam Schefter started talking about it. Look, they're interested. They're going to go after him. It's just a matter of timing. Um, I don't know when that timing is. You know, Jody, from doing the show with me all the time, I ask so many people, is it even fair to Jalen Hurts? What can he do to win this starting job? Because they, they got their eye on Deshaun Watson. Uh, it, it, it's all about the timing. You know, I, I you know, Chris is a, a, a reputable guy. I mean, Jeff probably knows him. Uh, better than I, so he can speak to this. But um, I, I would think it would be coming from uh, Houston's end, uh, but that's just speculation. Uh, from the Eagles' perspective, um, you know, Houston is desperate to get him out of there, and the NFL isn't giving him an out. They're not putting on, uh, putting him on the commissioner's exemplus. So, what do you do? You got to drum up interest and you got to signal the other teams that are interested, which uh, we've talked about a lot are probably the biggest three would be Denver, Miami, Carolina. You got to get them in the mix and you got to try to build up as much interest as possible. I I think it's a really difficult uh, landscape for both sides, though, right now because of the uncertainty. And then you had this Instagram story interview with one of the accusers, a different accusers, not in the original group of accusers that went into pretty graphic detail. And so you have the public relations aspect of it. But from a football perspective, just a football perspective, you know, this guy's a top five talented quarterback from the Philadelphia Eagles perspective. Look, I get the optimism. Jalen Hurts doesn't have that ceiling as a player. Just doesn't. I'm sorry. I I, I, I I tell all the people, do you want me to lie to you or do you want me to tell you the truth? He just doesn't have that ceiling as a player. And then you go into the activism part of it. And should they be bringing in uh, the sort of player 
that has these types of accusations. Remember, they're accusations. I, I, you know, I don't know where we got to this place in life, but it's not a good place where you're you're deemed guilty by accusations. That that's not good. And you saw it happen with Jeff Gladney, who got indicted, and he's released. And you know, if somebody does try to sign him. Um, much less high-profile player, obviously, but a former first-round pick very recently, he's going to go on the commissioner's exempt list, and the whole process is going to let him let itself play out. You know, Deshaun Watson, that talent versus tolerance equation, is so talented, somebody's going to do it. Are the Eagles in the, in the conversation? Yes, they've been in the conversation for a long time. Now, John, this is something that, I've been following a lot of the Texas Texans practices and David Culley just seems out of his gourd right now. Every time they ask him about it, he just looks completely clueless. He just puts him on the fourth team and he was in pads, but he doesn't really practice or he just throws like, what do you make of that? Well, they don't want him there and there's nothing they could do because he has to be there because of the CBA rules and he's not going to take $50,000 of fines per day. As I said, the NFL didn't give the Texans an out. They would have loved if if Roger Goodell put him on the commissioner's exemplist, but he didn't want to set that precedent because, again, he has not been indicted. Um, these are all accusations, most of them civil in a civil variety. Um, it's a bad precedent to set from the league's perspective. So they're acting like it's business as usual, but Houston knows they can't go through with it. So. They don't, the last thing they want to do is get him hurt uh, because then you got to pay him his money. He sticks on the shelf. You can't get rid of him. So that's what I'm saying. I, that's why I, I think it's coming more from the, the Texan side of things, trying to drum up interest. But that, that part of it's just speculation. I did joke the other day, though, that Jeffrey Lurie was on the field after practice with Howie Roseman and Andy Weidel, Nick Sirianni. They were all talking. Everybody's like, what are they talking about? And it was probably, as I said, uh, crab fries from Chickies and Pete's. But who knows? Maybe they were maybe they were amping up the Deshaun Watson talk. Now, I, I, I'm also going to say this, and this is going to upset people. And, and I'm going to frame it from a Zach Ertz perspective. You know, I, I, I was told by... Uh, someone close to the Eagles that, you know, maybe the thought process with Zach Ertz showing up to camp was, you know, obviously injury uh, and, and you create uh, more value from that standpoint. So you're crossing your fingers for injury, but also, you know, a team might get to camp and, you know, see pretty quickly, okay, they're not, we're not good enough at tight end. Let's go out. Let's up our offer. Let's go. Let's go get Zach Ertz. That's sort of how things work in this league. So we've talked a lot about the Nick Sirianni competition thing. I've been around a lot of NFL coaches, man. First couple days of camp, they know, okay, where's this guy? Is this guy going to help us? This guy's developmental. This guy's not an NFL player. They They make those decisions quickly. They can find out pretty quickly. Jalen Hurts, we talked about the up and down. I, I got to believe the Eagles see the same thing we see. And they're saying, this guy's probably not ready to be an NFL starting quarterback. So that might be part of it as well. 
Uh, John, we discussed this the other day, and I asked you, and I've asked uh, everyone we've had on uh, since the Eagles did what they did, and there is no given answer, but there's healthy speculation. The Eagles redid two contracts, and one of which was uh, Derek Barnett's, which made zero sense because they're just uh, avoidable years, so all they did was like move some money around. It wasn't anything that was necessary this year other than creating cap space and you're creating cap space for a reason. Well, what would that cap space be? We've been waiting for Zach Ertz to get traded because we knew, oh, that would clear cap space too. They couldn't even wait till after Zach Ertz was traded to, to clear cap space. And they did redid uh, Barnett's deal and Lane Johnson's deal. Could the creation of that cap space be to be able to trade for Deshaun Watson, who's bringing in about a $10 million cap hit this year. Um, it, it just didn't seem to add up. Usually when a team does something like that, at this stage of the year, it's because something is imminent. Something's going to happen and they need the cap space now. Could it be because they wanted to be in a position to snap their fingers and make the Deshaun Watson thing happen? Um, it, it, they certainly did it for flexibility. Um, they understand they were really tight against the cap. Um, I, and, and by the way, I think it had more to do with Zach Ertz. And I think it had more to do with Nick Sirianni coming to the, the moment where Doug Peterson would come to every year and say, oh, my tight ends are better than my receivers. And if Jack's going to be here, I'm going to play him and I'm going to play him a lot. Um, so point I'm trying to get to is they needed some flexibility. They know something's going to happen. It might be injury. Um, I said they need a veteran receiver really bad. They could be looking at trying to add somebody there on the trade market. Who knows? Um, they needed some flexibility anyway, uh, absent of Deshaun Watson. So I, I think that is more of why they did the things with um, – Lane Johnson and Derek Barnett, hashtag voidable years. I mean, that's what how he does. Uh, he just puts on the extra years, converts it into a bonus, uh, and he can spread it out. Uh, and that creates more cap space uh, for the current season. He knew he needed flexibility to do other things as well. So I, I'm not, it, it wasn't about, oh, we're going to go get to Sean Watson. It was about, we need some fine. I think it's it's more of an indication that Zach Ertz is going to be here than not. Um, and they understood that financial part of the flexibility maybe isn't coming. Now, there's still a chance they can trade Zach, but I, I think there's a much larger chance, and it probably grows every day because he's so much better than any of their other options. Uh, as far as throwing, as far as pass catching and, and, and getting the football thrown to him. Um, as every day passes, that option becomes greater. And how he knows he's going to need um, some versatility and perhaps he, he, he kind of understood, all right, maybe it's not going to come from that. So we know the Texans would love to get a deal done as soon as possible. But let's take it from the Eagles' perspective. Would the Eagles want to trade for a guy like Deshaun Watson sooner rather than later? Well, I, I don't know if the first part of that is true, Jeff, and, and that's why the second part. I mean, it's difficult from both sides because, look, if you're Houston, you're selling low. I mean, in theory, uh, you know, if you're the Eagles and you wanted to do it, would 
the uncertainty still surrounding him, in theory, you would be buying. Uh, you'd be getting pennies on the dollar from uh, what he could generate if he had no issues. And it was just, if you go way back to the start of this, it was just he hates Houston and he's forcing his way out and he's just hell-bent on getting the heck out of there and it's still a great player and you have none of the other stuff. I mean, they would have gotten a, a historic haul for this player. Um, it, it's It's gone down, certainly, and, and, and right now is probably the lowest part of the talent gathering year as far as generating interest because teams have already budgeted teams have already made plans teams don't have a lot of open spaces now if you hold off till next off season you could build build back interest up there'd be a lot of teams who are coming off bad years who realize okay this guy isn't it at the quarterback position um so i think it's difficult from both sides i mean it, yeah houston wants them out of there and they kind of if they're going to trade them now they're not going to get what they were going to get i i think that's pretty pretty i can confidently say that and then if you're the eagles obviously again you, you as what what the eagles have the ability that we don't have is they can contact the league office and they can say what the heck's going on here give us at least a broad outline of the potential outcomes and the nfl might come back and say look we have no idea we literally have no idea uh, because the accusations are 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 so um there's so many of them uh, they're so ugly from a public relations standpoint. If it becomes a, a, a criminal situation, you know, he could be gone for a long time. Uh, if it becomes just a civil uh, uh, civil thing, they'll probably, you know, have a better framework. It might be six games, 10 games, 12 games. What the Eagles and anybody else looking to acquire Deshaun Watson is at least some kind of guidance of where this is going to end. I don't know if the league can provide that yet. Maybe they have. Maybe they can. Maybe they know. They're doing their investigation. They have more information than we do. I think I will say, and I said this with Jody earlier, the fact that they didn't put him on the exempt list says a lot. It says if you read the CBA, it, it, it just talks about credible information right. and you can put somebody on the commissioner's exemplus. So by definition, if he's not on there, they might not think it's all that credible. All right, John, let me ask you a hypothetical. And you know, I love my hypotheticals. Uh, and this may be dead right on point, or it may be way down out in left field, but I, I'm going to try and make this as creditable as possible. Um, the reason why the e e league has not put him on the uh, commissioner's exempt list yet is because they haven't had a chance to talk to him. They wanted to talk to him, and rightfully so. Deshaun Watson said, listen, I've got criminal charges pending against me. They're doing a criminal investigation. I've been advised by my lawyer not to speak to anyone about the current situation. And those are his rights. If I was his lawyer, I'd tell him the same exact thing. Sorry, you don't get to talk to Roger Goodell and or his investigator. 
So the league can only do so much as far as their investigations go. I'm sure they have a pretty good grasp of it. But the key piece, the biggest piece in the middle of the puzzle is talking to Deshaun Watson. They haven't been able to do that. So that's, I think, one of the big reasons why they haven't acted yet. And that's not going to change anytime soon. We don't know how the criminal investigation is going and or what speed it's going at down in Houston. So if the uh, report by Chris Apasso is accurate and conversations have ratcheted up a little bit, would the Eagles not only trade for Deshaun Watson, get the deal done at less than what the value should be because there are questions about his availability. They see it as a value acquisition, which they very well could. They get the guy. He comes here to Philadelphia. Would they plug him into the lineup and say, go get him, Deshaun. We understand you kind of got some other stuff on the side that you're dealing with, but go out and win some football games for the Philadelphia Eagles while you're at it. Do you really think they could do that without knowing where this investigation is eventually going to end? Yeah, I mean, if they acquired him and he's on the commissioner's exempt list. Yeah, no, he's I, not I, on the commissioner's exempt list. No, I mean, that's what I meant. I, I, If he's not, if they acquired him and he's not on the exempt list, yeah, I mean, he's taking first team snaps day one. He's Steve Nelson. He's out there day one. I, I mean, you probably know, again, you know, they, they have it kind of baked in if you're going to do that, that uh, as suspension is likely coming, I think you look at Ezekiel Elliott, um, you know, and then you, you sit down. We have no idea what it's going to be. If you sit down for him for six games and you have him for 2022, 2023 and beyond. Uh, I mean, I think it's about more than 2021. But yeah, if they acquire him, he's the starting quarterback. Period. End of what, what is what is the uh, response slash, slash blowback from Eagles Nation? Ah, oh, there's it's tremendous. Like I, that, but you know, Jeffrey Laurie, I wrote about this in Philly Voice a couple of weeks ago. He's been very consistent when it comes to second chances, um, and it's everything from you know, racism to anti-Semitism to, um, you know, animal rights. Uh, and now we're talking about sexual assault allegations. You know, and I, I, I think, and what I wrote, I think people have this sliding scale. And and to be honest, that's, you know, <laughs> I'm not talking to you guys. I'm saying people that do. That's your issue. Uh, it, morality shouldn't be judged. Uh, by the best activism group uh, who make that the bigger deal. Um, Jeffrey's been very, very consistent uh, on second chances. And, I, you know, you look at Deshaun Jackson, for instance, you know, Jeffrey's Jewish. He gave him a second chance after he posted those things. Uh, we know Riley Cooper. We know Mike Vick. Um, now, this is different because, you know, people say it's different because of how many allegations, whatever. However you want to frame it, it's also different because this is a much better player. And I'll, I, I always echo our friend, Andrew Brand, friend of the show, the talent versus tolerance equation. The greater the talent, the more the tolerance. It's just the way the NFL is. It's not changing. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Jeffrey Lurie has been pretty consistent that he will offer people second chances. Now he might request some things. He might request apologies. 
he might request you work in the community and do some things, but he is willing to give second chances. Do you think Jalen Hurts is the difference between giving up a first-round pick in the deal or would Houston want to entertain someone like Jalen Hurts? And I'm just thinking of, you know, maybe the Eagles want to keep this guy around for insurance just in case something does happen with Watson this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that depends on Houston's uh, end of the deal. Do they want him as a quarterback? They have a lot of, of uh, quarterbacks themselves right now at trying to make their contingency plans for Deshaun Watson. You know, they drafted Davis Mills, for instance. Maybe they like him better as a young quarterback. Maybe, maybe they like Jalen better. That's sort of on their personal evaluation. He is a Houston guy, Houston area guy. So maybe that enters into the equation. Uh, but then the second part, and I've talked about this with, with Jody a lot, you know, there's other teams going to be involved here. Just because the Eagles want them doesn't mean they can get them. And one of the things most of the other teams that are, bought and can, uh, are that will be involved can offer that the Eagles can't is young ascending talent. Everybody talks about the draft picks. Draft picks, yeah, the Eagles are in a good position to offer a lot of draft capital. When you're talking about under 25 players, they're not in a good position compared to other teams. There are There isn't a lot of top-tier talent. You know, Houston wanted Andre Dillard back in the day, but now they have Laramie Tunsil. Why do they want Andre Dillard? Um, so you could throw in a player um, – who could change the whole landscape uh, of, of, of the value the Texans could get back. You know, a lot of people talk about Denver and Jerry Judy. You know, what are the Eagles going to offer? Uh, but, you know, I, that's that part of it I, I think people kind of miss and, and don't put into the equation. All right, John, let's, believe it or not, put Deshaun Watson aside. For at least a couple minutes, because we only got a couple minutes with you left before you got to get off to Eagles practice. Uh, yesterday, Nick Sirianni, not afraid to blow the whistle, get out there in the middle of the field, do some hands-on correcting of certain individuals, including Jalen Rager, who's had this very much a stop-and-start start to his preseason with uh, the loss that he had of his friend and not being able to pass his physical tests and join the team. Didn't stop Sirianni from going out and kind of getting in his grill a little bit about making a mistake on a route. I just want your overview on the way Nick Sirianni is looked at by the 90 men that are there. He's trying to be both the energetic, upbeat, positive guy, but also not afraid to be the bad cop and step in and call a guy on the carpet when he's doing stuff wrong. How is he working the room? And I know it's a very big room, the practice field that they've got down there at the Novak Camp Complex. How is the way Nick Sirianni's doing his business going over with his roster? Yeah, it, it's interesting. And that's one of the things I'm going to try to ask Nick this morning when he talks before practice. Because, yeah, he, he went after Jalen Rager yesterday. I mean, he went after him. We were standing right next to the speakers. And anybody who's been uh, to an Eagles practice, they have these huge speakers blaring music. And I'm, when you're in front of them, that thing is loud. And uh, Jay Z was on at the time, and you could—I I mean, you couldn't hear anything except Nick Sirianni screaming at, at Jalen Rager. I mean, he was—he was loud and getting after him. So, 
I, I, you know, I kind of want to hear that answer as far as coaching style, because everybody's different. Um, you know, we always talk about 90 different personalities, you know, the old kick in the pants versus the pat on the back. Some people need a pat on the back. Some people need a kick in the pants. And is he different? Does he does, does he do that to everybody? Because, you know, Jalen Rager's got to be an important part of this team. And the last thing you want to do is lose Jalen Rager. And I got to tell you, the first week, it has not been good. And you can say the off the field stuff, um, but that was not the first time. I think that was part of the issue. Um, he's making the same mistakes uh, day after day. And I think that's why Nick blew up on him. Um, you know, but you risk losing a player uh, if you do it in a public setting like that. Uh, especially a young player. Um, and Jalen doesn't seem to be in the best place right now because of the off-the-field stuff. So, yeah, that's one of the questions I want to ask Nick and, and try to get his thought process behind that. But he's certainly not afraid to, to call people out. Uh, so some people will look at that as a very good thing. You had me laugh with the Travis Fulgham comment yesterday when I tweeted about, you know, people are sleeping on the Eagles wide receiver group. And you said about the REM sleep, uh, you want to further elaborate on how, how bad it's been? Yeah. It's a deep, deep sleep. It's a, yeah. We're all, uh, Hey, the, the own co I, I just talked to the, the coaching staff has come to grips with the, with the, the reality here. And that's that if Zach Ertz is going to be here, Zach Ertz is going to play and we're going to see a lot of 12 personnel. And we're going to see a lot of 12, two tight ends on the field at the same time. It's not necessarily what they wanted to do. I mean, they're just not good enough. They're just not good enough. And it just, uh, you know, puts a spotlight on it when Devontae Smith is not out there. I mean, he makes things a little bit better. And you say, okay, you know, as Jalen, as a, a, and I would say Travis Fulgham, would be the number two receiver now. And, and Jalen is bumped down to number three because of his slow start. Um, I I don't think that's going to scare opposing defensive coordinators. I'll, I'll put it nicely uh, like that. Um, and the bottom line is you, you can't, you, you can't even talk to your locker room and try to spin like, well, we want to play this way. That's why Zach's not playing. I mean, he's so much better than those guys. Um, and he's, and he's being a professional. Yes. The shorts are, are turned inside out. It's a little bit of a silent protest. Um, but he's going to be a professional if he's here and he's still a good football player. Uh, but when Jody was talking about that financial flexibility, I don't think it's just about Sean Watson. I, in fact, I think, you know, one of the main things they know they have to do at some point is add some kind of veteran presence to that wide receiver room um, because it's just not good enough. All right, uh, John, uh, I know you're heading in there and you're going to get a chance to talk to coach before practice starts. Is it 6 nothing defense so far? Uh, today, day seven of practice. Is it going to be seven nothing defense over offense? Uh, I'm sorry, I, you, you, you've got a better grasp on the scoreboard as of right now. How is Coach Sirianni's uh, offense versus defense evaluation going? Yeah, I, 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 he'll get asked again. He'll be 
uh, pissed off about it, but it's hey. Well, hey, hold on. Let, let, me, let me interrupt. Uh, no one knew about this. He had to bring it up. So now, now he's pissed off because you guys are referencing an inside joke that he let you in on? Really? Yeah, Lane Lane did it. So Lane's probably in trouble. Oh, Lane did. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. I apologize to Coach. I thought it was Coach no. uh, let the cat out of the bag. No, Lane let it out of the bag. Lane just Yeah, Lane just says what he wants. Um, yeah, I, I I tried to give an offense the win the other day, but he didn't do it. So I mean, yeah, I don't I don't think they've won a day. There were two days I would say that were close. Maybe the other day he gave to him. He said he doesn't remember. I don't think it's that serious. Uh, I just think he grades each play and he says 27-24 defense. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I I don't think it's as important as people are making it out to be. But, yeah, the defense has certainly been ahead uh, of the offense. And, you know, I think if people want to get excited, get excited about that defense. I think, I think Jonathan Gannon is doing some wonderful things, I think. Man, that defensive line is 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 really deep and talented. That the secondary is much better than we thought they were going to be, um, because of Steve Nelson's presence and even Zach McPherson has had a great camp. Linebackers are still a work in progress, but even that, I mean, before Davion Taylor got hurt, and that was I, I feel bad for him. I, I thought he was on track to having a real opportunity to win uh, a starting job next to Eric Wilson. Um, and we'll see how this injury uh, hurts him because he's a thoroughbred. He's, he needs his legs because uh, his whole game is predicated on speed. But that group has been good as a whole. You just hope they're, they haven't been good as a whole because of who they're playing against every day. So when we see him against Pittsburgh and Patriots and the Jets, uh, we'll have a better indication and kind of measure them against uh, the rest of the league. As a whole, though, are you concerned about this offense? Yeah, I, I don't know how you can't be. I mean, Miles Sanders is still dropping the football uh, pretty consistently, except on the sidelines. He catches everything. Uh, but when he gets on the field, the drops show up. Um uh, the wide receivers and the tight ends have been good. The offensive line is good, but they're never out there. Now they're being they're being very cautious with that offensive line. I think Howie's plan there is just look, let's get these guys to week one healthy. Um, so I'm not really concerned about veteran days or maintenance days or those guys not getting reps. Um, the, if they're there, they'll be good. So I think you got to, and they have. And, and by the way, uh, Shane Steichen I mean, and Nick Sirianni have said, you know, it's about the offensive line. I mean, that's what they're building their this offense on. All right, John, last thing, and then we'll let you go in and get your coffee. Um, the only bad thing about having you here on the phone and with the uh, fro uh, frozen uh, shot of you is, we don't get to see your trappings, your outfit. What are you wearing to practice today? Uh, just uh, normal golf shirts and uh, and shorts. It's okay. going to be about eighty five today. Going to be. Yeah, we've, we've gotten we've gotten lucky uh, with the weather. Uh, it's been pretty cool. Yesterday was really nice. I think that's about the end now. I think we're going to hit get pretty hit pretty hard moving forward.
a little bit of a hot streak. Uh, well, uh, you'll earn your paycheck. You always do with us, J-Mac. Uh, we will talk to you again tomorrow morning. Thanks, brother. All right. Thanks, guys. John McMullen, usual co-host of this show. Jeff Curry doing a hell of a job filling in for him. With me, Jody Mack. We are Birds 365. There's a couple more things I want to put out there about Deshaun Watson and the entire situation. In case you're just tuning in, Chris Trapasso, one of uh, JK's uh, compatriots with CBS Sports, tweeted out last night that the talks are progressing between the Eagles and the Texans for a potential Deshaun Watson trade. What does that mean? Well, uh, Jeff and I will come back and kick it around a little bit more. Uh, working on, I guess, for hour number two. But we got plenty of time to continue to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles right here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest... Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com.
Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. It's Jody McDonald along with Jeff Kerr's in for John McClain. If you just missed John McClain, shame on you. You should have figured it out by now. If you're a loyal Birds 365 live viewer, you know that uh, some training camp started. Johnny Mack has been running down to Birds camp every single day. And we've been lucky enough to have Jeff Kerr to sit in for him. And he's doing a uh, great job uh, hanging with me here on Birds 365. John, we'll be back. Full show on Friday. No eagle practice on Friday. They're actually getting a day off. And that's one of the things I wanted to get to with uh, J- John. And we got kind of sidetracked because of all the conversation about Deshaun Watson. And it's too big a story not to talk about it. But yesterday, another veteran day off practice for the Eagles. I, I know that the key guys on this team all are, well, most are, I shouldn't say all. Most are north of 30. Um, and yes, you don't want to run them into the ground before you've even played your first exhibition game. But this was a tradition that started uh, before Nick Sirianni ever got involved. So I'm wondering who exactly decides when it is a veteran day and isn't a veteran day. Because not every team does this and says, you've been in the league for X amount of years. You get the day off today. Uh, to, to me, the Eagles are a little bit more lenient than most other organizations, if not all organizations. Does it bother you, Jeff, that uh, they have this policy in place that during preseasons they are going to have designated days to give perfectly healthy guys days off? Well, Nick Sirianni said he's looking at the long-term effects, and from what they've gathered data-wise, that giving these guys days off keeps them healthier in the long run, and he even mentioned the 17-game season. So it's a curious approach, no doubt. It's you know, We're so used to Andy Reid running these guys into the ground, and Andy Reid hasn't been here in – nine years now, but that, you know, they still do that in Kansas city to an extent there. And I know there's a couple teams that kind of rest their guys, but the, for the most part, it, you know, teams I really focus on a lot, chiefs, Miami dolphins, uh, the Patriots, they don't really give these guys that much of a day off. So yeah, it's, is it concerning? I don't know if I would say concerning, but it's definitely unorthodox that, he's doing this and he seems to have a set plan. It seems to be like in every three days type of thing. Which again, um, maybe I'm too old school for my own good. Yes. I remember the days of two a day practices. Yes. I remember the days of serious hitting the Eagles put the pads on, but they're not even tackling to the ground. They have not tackled to the ground one play so far during this preseason. It just seems a little soft for me. And maybe the reason that I'm, put off by it is the fact that it was collectively bargained. It wasn't even a decision by one team to handle their practice this way. We think it's going to work better than anybody else. No, they negotiated this away at the uh, bargaining table that there's only so much practicing you can do. Every time uh, the players want to grab for a little bit more money, the owners go, well, we're not going to give you a penny more, bud. We'll let you work less for your money. We're not going to work in practice as much. That that does bother me. I think it should be decided by the coach because there are different ways that you can uh, attack it and uh, let let that be a de- deciding factor over the course of the season. Uh, so I digress. Um, I do want to make one or two more Deshaun Watson points with you, uh, J.K. But, uh, and and we, we don't want to spend the entire show talking about it, but it is a pretty damn big story. Um, John brought it up about... Uh, weighing talent versus tolerance. And yes, you can have your opinion. I can have my opinion. We've already had a bunch of guys on the stream level their opinion. 
the only opinion that matters is Jeff Lurie's. And Jeff does have a track record of having forgiveness, having an open mind, having giving guys second chances. So chances are he will look at this through that same vein. Uh, I, I want to get your opinion on it if you are the guy in charge, a.k.a. the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles, and I'll share mine. I, I don't know that I'm as open-minded as Jeff Laurie, but I'm closer to him than, no, we can't even consider this guy because accusations, and that's all they are at this point, accusations have been labeled against him. I am very much a proponent of innocent until proven guilty. Always have been, always will be. Don't think I'm going to be changing my mind on that anytime soon. And that's all these are at this time is accusations. Here's the bind that I would be in if I were the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's a big decision. Whatever the cost is, and it will be somewhat less because as of right now, if you wanted to talk about a trade today, you would have to do so with not enough information to make a definitive decision. But every once in a while, you got to make decisions like that where you don't have every piece of information that you know is going to come up sometime in the future. So they have to make an imperfect decision at this time. And they'll probably pay less for it because the decision will be imperfect because not all of the information is in at this time. Here's the one thing that I got difficulty with if I'm an Eagle owner. At some point, you are going to get all that information. And if it doesn't come back the way you think it's going to come back, you could feel really bad about it. And you could second guess yourself. The Eagles will would probably like to, in a perfect world, they'd probably like to push off the decision. Say, let's wait and let's get some more information. But in the meantime, other teams are sitting there and negotiating with Houston. So you have to have the feel of the room as well. Do you have faith, Jeff Kerr, in the Eagles at all, meaning... Uh, Jeff Laurie and Howie Roseman, the two ma major decision makers. I'm sure the coach will be consulted because he's not going to actually have to coach the team afterwards, but I don't think he's getting a big vote in this overall decision as to whether they'd make this trade or not. Do you think they feel comfortable enough to pull the trigger before? Assuming that uh, the, the criminal uh, investigation is going to linger, the NFL's decision on whether they put him on the list or not, do you feel comfortable if you are the owner of the Eagles just saying, yes, let's do a deal? Or do you say, no, I'm sorry, I can't do anything at this time until I know more information? Yeah, so if I'm the Eagles, you got to think every road here. I mean, because let's face it, you trade for a guy like Deshaun Watson, you have to explain to the females in your fan base, and there are a lot of female Eagles fans that, hey, we think this guy's innocent or you know, this guy, the accusations aren't what they are perceived. And they'll they'll know a lot more, but people still don't want to hear that. And I don't blame them. You know, I'm not going to get into the mind of somebody else here. But you, you have to explain that. It is a PR nightmare. And we know the Eagles do like good PR. Uh, you know, I know they've, they've had instances before, but they seem to go past them. This one's going to be tough. If you're Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman, you have to think the football aspect of it. Can this guy win us a Super Bowl? Does this guy put us in the best opportunity to win us a Super Bowl? Will this guy be available for us to win a Super Bowl? That's what you have to think of if you're going strictly football. Now, I will say this with Deshaun Watson. I, I just don't know enough information on the guy to make a judgment call because, it, you know, there's lots of criminal investigations going on. There's lots of civil suits going on. So 
But I'm just going to look at it from a football perspective right now. Deshaun Watson is 50 times better than Jalen Hurts, and I love Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts can be that. I don't think he could be Deshaun Watson level, but I think he is a good enough quarterback that can, you know, eventually win you a lot of games. And the Eagles, I feel, should give him an opportunity to do so this year. But Deshaun Watson is a top three quarterback in the National Football League. He was better than Patrick Mahomes in some aspects of the game last year. He was better than Aaron Rodgers in some aspects of the game last year. Is he better than them overall? No. But if you want to go top five quarterbacks in the National Football League, Deshaun Watson's on that list. If you want to go top three, it's debatable between Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. But the point stands. Deshaun Watson is a top, as at the very least, a top five quarterback in the National Football League. And he's 25 years old. These guys don't grow on trees. You know, you thought Carson Wentz was going to be one of those guys. never turned out to be. That's the risk you're taking. The same, uh, the Los Angeles Rams, they, they decided Jared Goff was not better than Matthew Stafford. So they traded for a guy. They traded for Matthew Stafford because they did not like their quarterback situation. The guy they drafted, the guy they gave the big contract to. And you're the Eagles. That's what you got to look at right now. Does this guy put us in a better position to win Super Bowl with all the baggage attached to him? The Eagles felt that once, I think, with Michael Vick when they gave him a second chance because they knew Donovan McNabb was getting older. He wasn't the same player anymore. And they wanted to extend, quote-unquote, that run with a young team. That's why I think they took it. Ultimately, they took the chance on Michael Vick. And for a 12-game stretch, it did look like the Eagles were going to be this unbeatable force. And then, yeah, everything just kind of came crashing down. Michael Vick got old, and they kind of figured it out. But the point remains, you want to put yourself in the best position you can to win the championship. If that's what you care about, if you care about winning football games and winning a Super Bowl, then, yeah, you take the shot, you take the gamble, and you go get Deshaun Watson. But for me, I, I just don't know. It's you got to explain to half your fan base pretty much why you're getting this guy, and that's a lot. I, I think you made an excellent point there. And you and I are, are pretty damn close on this because, you know, I'm a Jalen Hurts fan too and think that he's got a chance at some point to become a – very good quarterback in the National Football League. But we talk about this all the time, ceilings and floors. Uh, floor being worst-case scenario, ceiling being the highest you think the player, if things go right, can achieve in his career. Do I think that Jalen Hurts will ever be a top-five quarterback in the National Football League? The answer is no. A uh, top half? Yeah, I do. I actually think he could be in the top half of the National Football League. Top 12 would probably be about as far as I would go as heights. Maybe it pushed, and I'm being with eagle colored glasses on, say top 10. Jalen Hurts is already top, uh, excuse me, Deshaun Watson is already top five, as you pointed out, arguably top three. Do I think Jalen Hurts can ever achieve those heights? No, I don't. So if you can look at it through just the football lens, and put other things aside, which I know is both difficult and borderline unrealistic, you have to consider this. You have to look at uh, the ability to get Deshaun Watson is something you must investigate, you must get engaged on, you must find out what the cost is going to be. Then you have all the other things that you got to take into consideration, investigations, and if he's going to miss games, how many it's going to be, if he's going to be found guilty, how badly are we going to look, both for what we gave up to get him and in the eyes of our fans that we said, yeah, we're willing to take a chance on this guy. It's imperfect. The Eagles have to make an imperfect decision here. That's why I was surprised 
by this Christian Prosso report today that the talks have ratcheted up a little bit. Doesn't mean they're done. Doesn't mean it's close. But if the talks were at one point here and now they're here, then they've moved. Something is kicked in to move the, the needle a little bit, which is surprising to me because I didn't know the Eagles or anyone else would be willing to make an offer at this time, unless you really are talking about low ball, that they're, they're going to get uh, Deshaun Watson for, uh, let's speculate here, Jalen Hurts and the Colts pick, which could be a two, but might turn into a one. If you get a top five quarterback for that in return, how do you not look into it? Uh, you have to, if you're the Eagles, we're doing some rampant speculation here now, but that's what we have to do because that's what this all is, JK. It's all pure speculation at this time. Yeah, and I want to back up Chris here. Chris does not tweet this stuff unless he's 100% certain. And he has broken a couple stories before, and people have kind of shoved him off to the side. And, you know, he never toots his horn or anything like that. So the guy he's talking to is pretty reliable there. I don't know if it comes out of Philly's end. I don't know if it's coming out of Houston's end. My guess would be Houston's end, but, you know, Again, I, I digress, but I will say this about this whole Deshaun Watson thing. You know, again, top five quarterbacks do not grow on trees. They just don't. Like Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers got lucky. They really did with Aaron Rodgers. They, you don't have Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers in two 15-year periods. You just don't. Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs are fortunate. Patrick Mahomes is what he is. And Andy Reid was smart enough to trade up for him. Those are the risks you take. Andy Reid took a risk, and he was right. And he could develop a guy like that. This is the other point I want to make. I think the Eagles can win football games with Jalen Hurts. There's no doubt about that. I want to blame the general manager who decided to pick Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson, who decided to pick J.J. Ortega-Whiteside over D.K. Metcalf. Because Jalen Hurts would probably look a lot better right now if he had Justin Jefferson – DK Metcalf at wide receiver and a really good offensive line. And you could live with Miles Sanders at running back. And, you know, maybe they still trade up and get Devonta Smith. I, I don't know how the Eagles will fare, but I'm sure, again, you know, it, I don't want to do a snowball effect. Maybe Carson Wentz is still here. I, I, I don't know. But if you're looking at the GM is trying to correct mistakes he's made in the past with high first round picks, I don't think Jalen Hurts was a mistake. I, but I don't also think the Eagles drafted him to eventually be the starting quarterback, at least this soon. Like, I don't think they ever expected this. They they did not expect Carson Wentz to do what he did last year. They just didn't. But all points aside, I think they could win football games with Jalen Hurts. I just think they failed to put enough offensive talent around him at this point. I've been saying this since Birds 365 started, and well before uh, Birds 365 started, because I'm hosting shows on WIP after the draft last year when they made Jalen Hurts a second-round pick. And I went on the air and said, not only am I going to defend it, I'm going to tell you I like it. And I think it's a smart pick for the reason that I stated. And now basically it's come out that this, or at least this is the story they're telling. You can always tweak a story in 2020 hindsight. Um, that I believe they looked at it as we can get a quality backup. All we have to do is work real hard to get them up to speed. And oh, by the way, up to speed, nobody knew how much COVID was going to blow up and that camp was going to be so limited. At the time, they were thinking we can get a whole lot of work into Jalen Hurts and get him ready just in case. And the just in case for me was just in case Carson gets hurt. 
because Carson had a track record of getting hurt. I want so to point you need out too. They beat the Seattle Seahawks in that playoff game. If one, if Carson Wentz doesn't get hurt, and two, they had an actual backup quarterback, not forty-year-old Josh McCann. Right. Uh, they're turning to the Josh McCowns after Nick Foles left town, which he deserved to leave town because he won a Super Bowl and he wanted to get paid a little bit. And the Eagles couldn't afford to pay both he and Carson Wentz to put that much money into the quarterback position. So certain things had to happen with Nick Foles, but they never replaced Nick Foles as the backup quarterback here with the Philadelphia Eagles. They believed they were doing so with Jalen Hurts. And I liked it. A second-round pick is better than paying a backup quarterback. Oh, can I give you an example of a bad backup quarterback uh, contract? How about Joe Flacco, guaranteed $3.5 million to be the backup this year? They don't do well when they bring in veteran guys to be backup, or not since Nick Foles. The last couple shots haven't worked, so they went a different route. They said, we're going to go down the uh, draft one and hopefully get him up to speed to be an efficient backup quarterback. And for some reason, Carson Wentz lost his mind about that. That's Carson Wentz's fault, not the Eagles' fault, not Howie Roseman's fault. So, yes, I've been very consistent in my – I got no problems. As a matter of fact, I'll give him an boy for going out and getting Jalen Hurts. And the other affected draft that Jalen Hurts had, and this is the way that it's played out, even though I think it was very much secondary in the Eagles' minds and would have been in my mind too, he's a safety net. What happens if Carson Wentz has a career-ending injury? Now, we're not just talking about stepping in and playing a game or two. He might be the guy who's going to pick up the mantle and we'll go forward with. None of us thought it was going to be because Carson Wentz was going to go completely downhill and then fight his way out of town. That was a 0.1% chance out of 100 of the scenario that was going to play out. Well, it's exactly what did. Every, one every once in a while, a 0.1% scenario uh, comes to the forefront and makes it uh, the case here in Philadelphia. At least they had it here. He was supposed to be a safety net. They didn't. No one ever wants to fall into a safety net. But when you do, you're glad that you have it. And he has become the safety net with this team. The one thing that stinks, Jeff, is right now Jalen Hurts can't do anything about it. I guess he can go out and be better in practice, but all these things circulating on a team, what has happened before Jalen Hurts got here, what Jalen Hurts has done since he's arrived and looking forward where it's going to go. He doesn't have that much control over it. It's, it's a lot of other things and a lot of other people that are going to determine what is the direction of the Philadelphia Eagles at quarterback going forward. It's kind of like in any business, honestly, like Jalen Hurts just got to show up and, you know, bring his work pail and go to work. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And he's been saying all the right things. And I, I wanted to point this out too, Joey. The 49ers once had a safety blanket at quarterback. His name was Steve Young. And they had Joe Montana. And what happened to Joe? Joe got hurt. And Steve Young took advantage of the opportunity. I think the – and I actually noticed 49ers wanted to use Steve Young as straight bait. They were hoping he played really well, and then they keep Joe. Well, Steve Young won the MVP. You're not trading the MVP of the National Football League. You're just not. So you know what they said? Goodbye, Joe. Uh, you know, you're a franchise icon, but we got this guy. And, you know, that's why I kind of wanted to play Jalen Hurts a little bit because he could be that guy, and he don't have the weapons like the 49ers did. He didn't have Jerry Rice back there, a wide receiver. But still, though, it, the point still remains. But, you know, you're Jalen Hurts. You just got to go to work every day. You just got to continue to do what you're doing, lead the team. Everybody seems to like you. I mean, I don't know anybody that doesn't like Jalen Hurts. And Travis Fulgham's story yesterday was pretty telling – Jalen Hurts was the reason he got on the 53-man roster. 
because he was putting his input into the coach's ear and saying, hey, you know what? This guy's pretty good. Like, you know, and it was all from passes from, you know, they were working on the side and the Eagles called up Travis Fulgham and Fulgham had a great five-game stretch. So it's clear that, you know, Jalen Hurts does have the respect of the Philadelphia Eagles organization, but how much respect does he have? Do the Eagles feel they can win a championship with this guy? And I want them to find out. I, I want them to actually see results on the field, not from a week of practice where he's inconsistent. And again, McMullen's right. You know, he's not Deshaun Watson. You, you know, he, he just isn't that guy, but he can be that guy. And that's what I want to find out. So what Jalen Hurts got to do is he just got to put on the pads, go to work, keep doing what he's doing, keep studying, keep trying to be the best football player they can. And it's a shame because I always felt Jalen Hurts could convince the Eagles not to get Deshaun Watson. I don't think it's going to matter. Uh, I think it, it's mattering less and less and less with every passing day. You are, I are in agreement there. One more quickie for you before uh, we get a timeout and set up our number two here on Birds 365. I uh, saw the, the videotape of the interview that, Travis Fulgham did in his media availability yesterday. Did the way that he described and or explained his situation last year bother you at all? It did me in that he just kind of laid it off the fact that uh, returning injured wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey steps in and he gets his spot back. And I just had to accept my role, and it was reduced. And don't look at me. I, it was my idea for me to not play. He made it sound like he was deactivated, that Alshon came back and uh, Fogel was to get up to the press box and watch. That was not the case. He was still active every single week. If he said he had this good relationship with Jalen Hurts the last four games of the season, Jalen Hurts became the quarterback. And if you guys had that good a relationship, well, why isn't Jalen throwing it to you then, Travis? All right, yeah, you're out there less snaps than you used to be. That's true. Everyone can acknowledge that. We can check the snap counts, but he disappeared pretty damn well. I, I thought that was a little weak that he was looking to shed light elsewhere uh, on why his numbers draft uh, dropped so precipitously last year after he had that really good four-game run. And, you know, he's partially right. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to deny it. Alshon Jeffrey coming back did play a role in his uh, decline. But there was a game after the bye he played. I think it was a Cleveland game. He played like 81% of the snaps, and he had one catch for eight yards. So, in a way, maybe the Eagles felt, you know what, they they figured out this guy a little bit. And, like, he owned up to some stuff. Like, he said he needs to be better in practice. Well, hello, like, shouldn't you be bringing it all the time, especially since you were a former six-round pick? Nothing's given to you. You should know that by now. You're not T.O. You you know, you're not. You know, I, I, I don't know. It's To me, I'm glad he said it as a media member because it was something to write about. It was something to talk about. But I don't think I would have said anything. I just would have been like, you know what? Yeah, okay. Yes, but I could have been better. And I should have been better. And I should have went out there and tried to beat him and – you know, own up to something. It just seemed like he blamed Alshon Jeffrey. Like everybody on Twitter seems to blame Alshon Jeffrey for everything that's wrong with the Philadelphia Eagles when they all forget Alshon Jeffrey played with a separated shoulder the year they won the Super Bowl and grinded it out. And, you know, I, again, people can have their thoughts on Alshon Jeffrey, whatever. It is it is what it is. But it just seemed like Travis Fulgham said, yo, it wasn't my fault. And, yo, coach checked out on me. And, 
this and that. And I'm like, hey, whatever, dude. You know what? Right. Just show up this year. You know, I, I'm going by what I'm hearing about you, and you haven't been that great. Right. I'll 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 move off my critique of him as soon as the season starts. If he starts making plays, this can exactly. long be forgotten. But it did bother me a little bit yesterday. All right. One more thing before we get our top of the hour break in. I'm going to refer to one of our streamers, which we do from time to time. And we thank all you guys who take enough interest to hop on the screen and, and, and give us a comment. Uh, got this one within the last couple of minutes from John Gill, who said, let's say that after all this talk and rumors, we don't get to Sean Watson. So basically, Howie, comma, starting Hertz's relationship on the wrong foot. You got to support and give the guy a shot. Let me respond to uh, John's point of view, and uh, I'd like you to do the same, Jeff. And you and I just sat here and admitted and said to the world, we're Jalen Hurts fans. Here's what I think about Jalen Hurts having to deal with these Deshaun Watson possibility conversations. Suck it up. You're a second-year quarterback who got a chance to play as a rookie, which not everybody does. You played more in your rookie season than Pat Mahomes played in his rookie season, okay? Jalen Hurts, deal with it. That's one of the things I like about Jalen Hurts is everyone says he's so level-headed and he doesn't get emotional. He doesn't let stuff like this get inside his head. The guys like playing for him. He's Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Leader, I get it that because we just had Carson Wentz blow up on in our faces and that he was a guy who did think too much and let stuff bother him. And Nick Foles had his supporters in the Eagle locker room when he won the Super Bowl. And Jalen Hurts was drafted in the second round. That Carson Wentz couldn't wrap his head around it. That's Carson Wentz's fault. We don't now have to treat Jalen Hurts differently because Carson Wentz was soft. He was charming. I'm sorry, just stone cold soft. I'm not going to, oh, I... We have to be very careful the way we handle Jalen Hurts. We have to take every step carefully and make sure that things don't get out and we don't say things. And we got to keep Jalen Hurts' psyche 100% immaculate. No, you don't. They're football players. And he's a young football player who's on a rookie contract. So you can handle them however the heck you want. Please don't tell me we're going to get to the point where we're going to have to handle everyone with kid gloves going forward. I don't believe that's Jalen Hurts. I believe that's John Gill's idea here. I, I don't think the, the Hurts needs to be handled that way. I don't think the Eagles are handling it that way. I don't think they should handle it that way. How about you? I'll give you one better. I think Jalen Hurts would take it as an insult if Howie Rose and Nick Sirianni put their arm around him and said, yeah, you're our guy, Jalen. Yeah, it's going to be okay. No, Jalen Hurts probably looks at things the way I look at him. Is Deshaun Watson here? No, he's not. Then I'm the guy. And I'm going to continue to be the guy until you actually, you know, trade for him. You know, essentially, it's Jalen Hurt. That stuff does not bug that guy at all. You know, that, that guy just worries about one thing, what he can control and how good of a football player he can be. He doesn't need someone to coddle him. He doesn't need someone to hold his hand. 
He ain't worried about Joe Flacco taking this job. He ain't worried about Nick Mullins taking this job. He's worried about going out there and beating them every single day. And that's why I think a lot of the young guys like him because he has that fiery mentality. It's He's not worried about anything but the 11 guys on defense. That's really what he's concerned about and how he can beat them. He doesn't need approval. And I, I'm like this. I, I'm like this with, with, with work, you know. I, do you love being told you're doing a good job? Absolutely. You know what's even being better? Getting a contract extension. That's what I would like. So, you know, again, it, you know, that that's how I look at things. But Jalen Hurts the same way. Look, I'm here. I'm employed. I'm going to do my job to the best of my ability. And that's all you can do. Like, you're right, Jody. Carson Wentz was an anomaly. Most quarterbacks aren't like that. Well, uh, and I'm wondering about how big an anomaly he is because during this offseason, we did have Aaron Rodgers, who is a superstar who needed to have say in player personnel. Oh, I don't want to get off on that tangent. How <laughs> the inmates are now running the asylum. All right, never mind. Uh, he is Jeff Kerr. I am Jody McDonald. We are Birds 365. Hoping to get another guest up. I got a text out. We'll see if we get lucky and get him. If not, JK and I will continue to chop it up. We got more uh, bird stuff to talk about. And there are a couple things around the National Football League that I also want to ask Jeff about. So keep it right here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. 
It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. We are Bird 365. Today being yours truly, Jody McDonald with my partner in crime, Jeff Kerr, filling in for John McMullen. He is winging his way down to Eagles practice. He'll hear from Coach Sirianni coming up uh, shortly, and uh, you'll catch him here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, I'm sure, later on today. Uh, JK, uh, I brought this up with John, and I just wanted to get your take on it as well. Um, Coach Sirianni yesterday was pretty well noted gotten Jalen Rager's kitchen pretty damn good. Um, we know that Rager, people were uh, speculating a much improved year from him this year. Disappointing rookie season as a, a first-round draft pick. Um, coming in, you know, you're now paired with Devonta Smith, so maybe you'll get a little less attention than you did in your first year. He certainly had room for improvement, started the year with an injury, and then uh, never really kicked in for him. So the expectations were what they were with, when camp opened, and they still are what they are. Um, but he's had a uh, tough camp, too. Um, didn't pass his uh, qualifying test, physical test, to uh, start practices. Um, they wrote it off as he was having uh, difficulties because he had a tragic loss in his personal life. A uh, good friend of his uh, growing up uh, was killed, murdered. Um, and so Jayla wasn't 100% focused, and that's what they used as an explanation for him to not pass his uh, physical test to be able to practice. He has since done so and is now playing again, but uh, hasn't been a major shine guy in the preseason workout so far, and including getting uh, reamed pretty good by uh, Nick Sirianni. I I'm okay with this. I have uh, empathy for uh, Jalen Rager's situation, and I feel badly that, of course, uh, he lost his friend. Um, but we all have losses in life, and after a period of mourning, you got to be able to go on with your own life. And going on with Jalen's life is getting ready to play football season for the Eagles here in the National Football League. Um, but the thing that I like about it is uh, not even, well, it's, of course, has to be Jalen Rager related, but just the fact that Nick Sirianni is willing to get out and coach this team and coach them hard, that uh, he will hold players responsible just for practice mistakes. So he sure, sure is not going to hold them for responsible for mistakes made on game day. He's been an affable guy with the media uh, and has even put smiles on his face. I know there was the story circulating yesterday, which didn't come down till after we on we were on the air with Bird sixty five. I guess it uh, uh, broke on on WIP that he was down the shore and uh, there was a wedding going on in the hotel where he was staying, and that someone recognized him. So they, hey, can we get a picture, Coach? He ended up taking a whole bunch of pictures with the wedding party and said to Angelo on WIP. I guess I'm going to be in their wedding album. And uh, he handles that stuff pretty well. He's got some personality to him. 
But I like the fact that he can also be a tough guy coach if he deems it to be necessary. I think that's a really good sign. And if you're wondering where Nick Sirianni is going to go, I know. We haven't played our first exhibition game yet, but everybody wants to have an opinion on what kind of a hire the Eagles have made as a head coach. I'm feeling pretty good about Nick Sirianni right now. How about you? I like how hands-on he is. Like, And you're right, Jody. He's not afraid to grow. He, and I'll go one better with Jalen Rager. I actually think Jalen Rager likes to be criticized. He, he, I, I, you know, his dad played in the NFL. His dad knows more than anything about what NFL life is like, and it's been a lot easier since Monte retired. But the point still stands. Like, Nick Sirianni is a guy that, look, he knows when to be your friend, and he knows when to be your coach. And I think that's the healthy balance. He's not your friend all the time. And he wants you to be the best football player that you can. And I think that's what he sees out of Jalen Rager. You can tell coaches are hard on players. They see the, the immense amount of talent. And if a player can take it, they're going to do it. So look, Nick Sirianni knows Jalen Rager needs to be a vital part of this offense this year. He just does. Where Devontae Smith is in there or not, because you're going to have to free up Devontae Smith at some point. And Jalen Rager has the most talent out of anybody left in that receiving core to be that guy. I'm not counting the tight ends here. But the point still stands. Nick Sirianni, overall, he's been really hands-on. Uh, McMullen said it. I've heard uh, BLG say it. Uh, Mike K. There, a lot of those guys have said how hands-on he is, how detailed he is, how focused he is on everybody. It's just nonstop throughout the whole 75, 80-minute practice session. It's actually pretty incredible how – and attention to detail he is and how he knows his stuff. And I think he's going to be even harder on wide receivers because he does have a wide receiver background and he was a wide receiver coach. So look, they're very detail oriented and that's not a bad thing. Now I like the way that he's gone about his business and <laughs> we all want to analyze that. Shoot. You're doing a two hour Philadelphia Eagle talk show a day. You're going to have to uh, break down things like how he's being perceived in the locker room and we're probably putting too much emphasis on it now, but that's what we have to go on. And I got to laugh at uh, myself here for, for getting as much into the nitty and gritty as we do. If the Eagles lose their opener, how he handled preseason practice, how he's got some personality to him, how he decided that Jalen Rager was a guy that he could call on the carpet and borderline make an example of it, none of it will matter. It'll go right out the window if they go down to Atlanta and lose by 21 points. If they go down to Atlanta and win by 10 points opening weekend, this guy is a genius. Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Laurie hit the ball out of the park. Sorry, Doug, but 4-11-1 was 4-11-1. We're 1-0 this year. It does amaze me that even though we can feel strong about uh, the points that we're making now and uh, taking a, a well-in-advance look at Nick Sirianni, it really does go all out the window as soon as the season starts. And then it comes down to, did we win or lose? If we won, the guy's great. If we lost, the guy stinks. Get him out of here. Get him out of town. That's the want of the Eagle fan, is it not? Yeah, and that's the thing I look at, too. It's more of, okay, like, remember when Dick Vermeil, his first year as the head coach of the Eagles, it was they lost every preseason game. Then they got thumped, absolutely thumped by the Cowboys. And, you know, the infamous and, you know, I, I've heard people say this on the record, too. I know it was an invincible, but Toast did say something to Vermeil and say, hey, what are we doing here? We just got killed our first regular season game. Uh, you didn't win a preseason game at all. So 
yeah, it, you know, it's pretty much, okay, yeah, Nick, you look like a genius in training camp and preseason with your hands-on stuff, but you're right, Jay. It, if they lose, it doesn't matter. Like, remember, everybody thought Doug was, like, this laughing stock his first training camp, and they're like, okay, this guy's out of his gourd, and then they, you know, they make the trade for Bradford, and they start throwing out, oh, Doug's the greatest coach of all time. <laughs> you know, this guy, you know, what a hire by Howie, and what a hire by Jeffrey Laurie, and it's, you know, I hate, because I don't want to build this team off one game. I really don't want to build this team off six games. I hate the beginning of their schedule. I do. And we talked about this before, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, Dallas. You know, I want to see the developments of this football team, and I'll judge Nick Sirianni as a coach, probably not even after year one, unless they go like 2-15 and 15 or something, which I don't see happening. I just think this team is too good in the trenches to even allow that to happen. But if this football team is better the second half of the year compared to the first half, that's how I'll judge Nick Sirianni, which, again, and that's why I think New York Giants fans up I-95 were so excited about Joe Judge. I didn't think the Giants were a good team at all last year. I just think they played in a bad division. But they went 5-3 and three in the second half of the year, and they ended up 6-10, and 10, and they were god-awful. Like, you know, I remember covering the league last year. Everybody's like, Joe Judge ain't got to last a year. Well, Joe Judge looks like he bought himself another year or two just based off his finish last year. So I think, it, it, again, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And, yeah, in a way, that Atlanta game is a must-win game because – this is the team I feel they can beat. And with early on in their schedule, San Fran's going to be tough. They really are. Dallas is going to be tough. If they can steal a win in Dallas, I'm going to feel really, really good about this football team, no matter what they do. Carolina, I think, is the game. They should be able to win. Um, unless maybe they trade for Deshaun Watson. Then things might change. But that's a game where I feel the Eagles can match up with them on paper. So, again, I- I'm looking way too much into the early part of the schedule here. But I'm definitely going to judge Nick Sirianni on the back half and how they go going forward. Did want to run this one by you. Um, I'm sure you saw the story uh, broke yesterday that the NFLPA is suggesting to the NFL that they think they should change their COVID-19 protocols. That as of right now, if you are a vaccinated player, you're only tested for COVID-19 once every two weeks. Once every 14 days, you have to take a test. If you've got proven vaccination, if you're not, you have to test every day if you're unvaccinated. And the NFLPA is suggesting that the vaccinated players should, like the unvaccinated players, be tested every day, just out of an overabundance of caution. And because we are seeing these breakouts around the country with the Delta variant, um, that we're seeing a lot of people test positive, um, that the NFLPA is suggesting they do this basically for the health of their own players, but it could also prove uh, certainly helpful for the National Football League if they can keep that many more players from contracting it. Um, good thing, bad thing, smart thing, the PA stepping up and going, no, no. And there are some players who absolutely like the fact that they're only tested once every two weeks because it's a pain in the butt to get a COVID test every single day. And if you took the vaccine, you're hoping there's a reason that you took it to less the amount of time that you needed to be tested. Um, good thing that the NFLPA is attempting to push through here. So I got a buddy who has to get COVID tested every day, and he's been vaccinated for months and months on end, and he still gets tested. It's just the way it is. But there's a couple of guys that, that he works with that are unvaccinated. And these this is what they say. Well, why should I get vaccinated if I'm getting tested anyway? So that could be a problem if a normal person's thinking that. 
what are NFL players there? Look at the Minnesota Vikings. I think they're the lowest team in the league right now in terms of vaccination rate. I think it's 61%, something like that. It might go up. I don't know. But I don't think it's a bad thing per se that you get tested every day. I, I really don't, even if you're vaccinated. Because at the end of the day, these businesses care about winning football games. And if these guys are available to win football games, that's what they're going to bank up on. We don't want to see a Kendall Hinton um, situation in Denver again. We just don't. So I don't think that's an issue if they vaccinate, if they test them every day. But right now you got to convince the unvaccinated people to get vaccinated. And I, I, I just don't know if you're testing them every day, the vaccinated players, why would an unvaccinated player want to get tested? Uh, or this, get is, the vaccine? Yeah. this is pure speculation on my part. Um, uh, so please take it in that way. I think the NFL on both sides, both from management and from the Players Association, I think they've reached the stage where changing someone's mind is now out the window, that they've got whatever their percentage is of vaccinated players. Those who haven't been vaccinated to this point, who have been in camp for a week, have been around their teammates who have been vaccinated. They've done the extra protocol stuff that they need to do at this time. The whole fear of, you know, you could lose a game check. That's one seventeenth if uh, a game should be postponed, should be wiped off the schedule. I think they've gone through all those um, machinations to try and affect someone to change their mind about getting vaccinated. I think those who wanted to get vaccinated, who were willing to get vaccinated, came around to getting vaccinated, have gotten vaccinated. And those who haven't, aren't going to. They've taken a hardline stance on this and they just don't agree with the uh, reasoning behind getting vaccinated and they're not going to change their mind. So I don't think they're doing that anymore. That was at one point part of everybody's uh, mantra in doing things. Uh, we need to get as many vaccinated as possible. I think they've reached the saturation point. I don't think they're going to go. Somebody's going to go, eh, all right, fine, I'll get vaccinated. No, if they've been holding out this time, they're still holding out going forward. No, I really think it's about just protecting their players, which I cannot blame the uh, union for doing. I think they're doing the right thing by their guys. Yeah, and here's the other thing I want to bring up, too. If you're a fringe roster player right now, or even if you're not a fringe roster player, say you're a guy that you're above the bubble, but you won't get vaccinated, what's going to happen when they actually cut you? Because And they won't never, they won't ever say it, but we're cutting you because you're a detriment to this football team because you will not get vaccinated. Or we found the guy that, and they'll say this guy outperformed you in camp in the preseason. That's what I'm going to be interested in in a couple of weeks from now when they do the first round of cuts and the second round of cuts, and then they finally get to 53. Because the Eagles have a guy like that right now. I don't know if he's vaccinated or not. I'm, I'm guessing he's not Alex Singleton, but again, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to speculate here, but he was on the COVID list. And again, you can, you know, where he's vaccinated or not is, you know, it is what it is, but there could be a potential situation where if he doesn't get it and he's not up to speed in camp and look, he had a great finish to the year last year. And I think he should be on this roster, but what happens if a couple guys outplay him? Is he worth keeping around? That's what I want to know. And, you know, I don't want to single out Singleton now because there's tons of guys in the league like that, but in all retrospect, this guy should make the Eagles roster easily, but right now he ain't up to speed. He hasn't even been in pads yet. I don't even think he's 
done much of an individual portion of practice. I think he literally just got off the COVID list yesterday. Right. Uh, he's ramping up at best. He has not really been able to take part in any uh, physical activities. That's a real good because he is one of those cutting edge guys. Just off what he did last year, should he make the team? Well, yes, of course. Is he a foregone? Is he Lane Johnson or Fletcher Cox? No, who they could test positive uh, for a month straight and the team would still say, yeah, but he's Fletcher Cox. He's Lane Johnson. They're going to keep him. Singleton is one of those guys in the gray area that, yes, he's been good, but he hasn't been established for a long time. Uh, It's a very good point you make that he's one of those guys that kind of sits on the fences is on the bubble uh, and we'll, we'll still got several weeks of uh, preseason to get through and all three exhibition games yet to get played, even though I can pretty much guarantee you Singleton's not going to play against the Steelers next week. You will get a chance to uh, show in practice and that uh, middle game against the Patriots as to whether he will or won't be on his team or he will or won't be starting for this team. He is Jeff Kerr. I'm Jody McDonald. We are your Birds 365 guys. We've still got, oh, well, a little bit more than a half an hour to go. Keep it right here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. 
ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. We are your birds, 365 guys. Jody McDonald with my partner in crime, he's a Jeff Kerr. He's in for John McMullen, who is down at uh, Eagles practice. Coach Sirianni should be talking to the attended media shortly, as a matter of fact. And if anything uh, happens, oh, we'll get news of it about a minute after the show ends. Uh, Jeff, you got to experience it, this the other day, and John and I have gone through it a couple times in the uh, three-plus months that Birds 365 has been on the air. It almost always seems that there's breaking news at 10.02, 10.07, just after the show has ended up. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's something that uh, Johnny Mac tweets out or texts us about right after the show has ended. But if it does happen before, we will try and get it into the last couple of minutes of this show here. Um, I did want to ask you about this, Jeff. I'm sure you saw it. Uh, the coach of the Indianapolis Colts, Frank Reich, yesterday was asked many questions in his media availability. And uh, one was about a quarterback who is playing for the Chicago Bears right now. And Frank Reich professed his love for Nick Foles, that Nick Foles is a great player and he's a great person. And oh, by the way, this was the telltale quote for me. I think he would be a good fit for the Indianapolis Colts dot 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 capital letters b-u-t but dot 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 he's a member of the chicago bears right now so i can't really talk about him after you've talked about him and said he's a great player he's a great guy he'd fit the indianapolis cult system but dot 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 you get my drift um i was kind of surprised by that because i don't know what frank reich other than being completely honest, which I always thought of Frank Reich as a straight shooter, um, that he was just giving a very honest answer to an open-ended question. I didn't think there was any way Nick Falls was going to be going to the Indianapolis Colts because Frank's also, in addition to being a very open guy and a straight shooter, I think he's a very smart guy too. And he had to know what happened here in Philadelphia. He had to see that this didn't go all that well when the Eagles handled the Nick Foles slash Carson Wentz situation the way that they did, that it did not work well in Carson Wentz's mind and in Carson Wentz's ways. Is he going to go there again? Am I going to be proven just woefully wrong, Jeff Kerr? Are the Colts actually going to reach out and see what it would cost to get Nick Foles to come in and cover for the Colts until Carson Wentz comes back from injury? Well, I think they're looking at their schedule and they're the first team in at least 30 years to have five straight opponents to start the year that won 10 plus games. And I don't think they think, and again, I think they can actually kind of survive with Jacob Eason. I really do because they, they have a talent roster. They have a talent offensive line, even though Quentin Nelson is, has the same injury Carson Wentz does. But yeah. Nelson says he's coming back week one, or he's going to try to come back week one. I, I, I don't know about that. The Quentin Nelson injury scares me a heck of a lot more than Carson Wentz's injury because I think you can survive. But all points aside, sometimes there's a reason why Bill Belichick does not give the media answers. 
because he doesn't want to create stuff we're talking about right now. Frank Reich did himself no favors and Carson Wentz no favors, but the whole Nick Foles thing. And I will say this, Frank Reich wasn't exactly here when I think it all went off the rails with Carson Wentz and Nick Foles because they, they do get along. They, they do get along. But I think it really bothered Carson Wentz when he came back from the ACL and LCL, hurt the back, played okay. You know, he was good, but he just couldn't do what 2017 Carson Wentz could do. And the Eagles shelved him and Nick Foles came back. And we know about the Chris Long thing, you know, with the with the shrine and mm-hmm. everything we got from the Sunoco gas station, which is still a funny story when he told me that. <laughs> was from there. But all points aside, I think that's when the Wentz stuff really started bothering him when they were, what were they, five and seven, six and seven, something like that. And Foles won the last three games. Outplayed Deshaun Watson, got the Eagles to the playoffs, won a playoff game. That's when I think it really bothered Carson Wentz. I think Carson Wentz can live with 17, as much as it hurt. But when Foles came back and basically just galvanized the city again and was Nick Foles-like, that's when the conversation started. All right, do you move on with Carson Wentz or do you trade him and try to get the most you can and just go with Nick Foles? That's when I think it started bothering Carson. I don't think Carson Wentz would, even though they got along, I don't think Carson Wentz would like Nick Foles basically repeating the same stuff. And I don't know how Indianapolis media is like Philadelphia media or Philadelphia fans. But if you're a Colts fan, if you're winning games at Nick Foles, you want to just keep him around if that's the case. But ultimately, though, I will say this. Nick Foles hasn't been great since he left Philadelphia. No. He just hasn't. If I'm Carson Wentz, I really wouldn't worry about him. But if I'm Frank Reich, you might want to at least tap into the – put your toes into the pool and see what you can get for this guy. And Johnny Mac told me this, and uh, he's got an advantage over me because he's in that locker room every single day and he can observe and he can formulate certain opinions that a guy like myself just observing from outside a very infrequently in Eagle locker room, uh, never going to know for sure. He said, as you just said, Carson Wentz and Nick Foles are actually okay, that they were friendly when they were on the Eagles together. The issue that Carson Wentz developed was with everybody else that handled Nick Foles and viewed Nick Foles the way that they viewed him and or didn't view Carson Wentz the same way or even close in some circumstances and situations, which I'll give Carson credit for. I'm pretty damn critical of Carson Wentz these days, but I'll give him credit for the fact that uh, he had a good and retained a good relationship with his uh, fellow quarterback in the quarterback room when they were together on the Eagles. It's almost irrelevant the only thing I'm worried about if I'm Frank Reich is, well, what's Carson thinking? How is Carson going to react? How will Carson deal with this if we do it? And Nick Foles gets us through, as Jeff Kerr pointed out, probably the toughest part of our schedule. If let's say Carson misses five games, whatever it is, four games, three games, Nick Foles has a winning record during that time period. Do you just come and throw Carson Wentz back in. And Carson is going to be thinking the same thing. I haven't done anything for this team yet. At least here with the Eagles, when it became a debatable topic, Carson Wentz had done what he had done, which was play like an MVP in the 2017 season. Let me see, what has Carson Wentz done for the Indianapolis Colts? Oh, that would be zippity-doo-dah so far. So it would be, you would think that it would be much easier to go, you know, we're just going to stick with Nick. This is going real well right now. We're going to stay with what we have. All that goes circulating around in Carson Wentz's heads. 
it is absolutely a recipe for disaster. That's why I think that Frank Reich is not going down this road, uh, that he is not going to open that Pandora's box and bring Nick, uh, Nick Foles in. Do you entertain another quarterback who said, I'm not, I'm retired, but I'd come back for uh, a chance to win a Super Bowl. And that would be the former Colts quarterback, Phil Rivers, who's coaching high school right now. You know, would you go down that rabbit hole? That's, see, that's a tougher question. Uh, I just, just me personally, if I were Frank Reich, uh, Nick Foles, no, thank you. And you just move on. That's the way I would handle it. Philip Rivers, I got to stop and think about because they were good last year with Philip Rivers. They made the playoffs last year with Philip Rivers. Um, their shortcomings in a couple of games were more defensive related than they were Philip Rivers related. Here's the way I'll answer that question. I sit down, if I'm Frank Reich, with my general manager, with my owner, who may be out making a bid on a uh, Eric Clapton guitar rather than worrying about the team, uh, but he, he he comes back from whatever shopping spree he's on for rock and roll memorabilia, uh, and he says, Here, here's what we're looking to achieve this year. It's Super Bowl or bust for us. I don't think Philip Rivers is taking any team to the Super Bowl anymore. If your goal is uh, we are winning the Super Bowl, we're going to look at this as a non-successful season. Okay, fine. I have a game plan in place one way. If they say, hey, let's get to playoffs. We need to make the playoffs. It all starts with the playoffs. So we got to get to the playoffs. And then we take our punches chance when we get there. Then we'll see what happens. Then we'll see maybe Patrick Mahomes pulls a hamstring right before we're supposed to play him in round one to the playoffs. So let's get in. And then even if it's an uphill climb, we'll take our chances at that point. If that's the case, if my owner gives me those instructions and I'm the coach, well, and I say, then get on the phone and see if Philip will come back tomorrow. I'll get him up to speed tomorrow at practice. If my goal is to just do what we did last year again, I think Philip Rivers is capable of doing that. If my goal is Super Bowl or bust, believe it or not, and I don't think Carson Wentz is going to be able to achieve this, but the unknown of Carson Wentz coming in first time with the team, maybe can put all of his misgivings and demons behind him. I'd rather take that shot with Carson Wentz than Philip Rivers. And if that's the case, then I'm not even inviting Philip Rivers into camp. That's why I thought they traded for Carson Wentz, because the last time Carson Wentz and Frank Reich were together, Carson Wentz was the franchise quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles and should have been the MVP. I, I mean, I still thought he should have been the MVP even when he got hurt. Because Really? Yeah, he was that good that year. Like, 33 touch. He would have thrown 40 touchdowns easily if he plays the whole year. Yeah, like, you, can't, you, you can't do would have. It's what you do. At the end of the year, you look at the numbers. And if you don't play, I'll tell you, here's what don't play means, zero, 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 zero. It's not a bad thing, but he needed to add more to his MVP resume in that year. That does – sorry, I'm getting on your case, buddy, but it's the way I feel. I hate when people say he was the MVP. No, he wasn't the MVP. He could have been the MVP. He might have – had he not gotten hurt, he could have won the MVP. You can't just say he was the MVP. You don't decide the MVP after 12 weeks. You got to play all 17. Well, I actually think Nick Foles hurt his chances to win the MVP because the first game Nick Foles played, he threw four touchdowns against the Giants. And then Foles leads them back in that game against, uh, at the time, they were Oakland, but, you know, the Raiders. And I'm like, oh, that, that might hurt him a bit because now Nick Foles clinched 
the division and Nick Foles, well, no, they already had the division clinch, uh, but Nick Foles ended up getting home field advantage and he played well one game. So, you know, I think that's when, and I was actually on the record of saying this and when Carson Wentz got hurt, I said Nick Foles was going to lead the Eagles to the Super Bowl because the Eagles as a team were that good that year. I thought that that team was just destined to go no matter, no matter what. And, you know, there were a couple of times people were questioning it, but overall, you know, <laughs> Nick Foles took on the Super Bowl. So, Again, that's how good I thought they were. I just thought Carson Wentz made them the Super Bowl favorites. That that's how good I I felt Wentz and that team was that year. But yeah, to counter your point, I think the MVP. I know it says the most valuable player. I sometimes think it's the best player through the year. Where you play seventy five percent of the season or not, that's your take. You know, I think that Carson Wentz was the best player in football that year, uh, hands down. And. Who won the MVP that year? Was it Brady? I, I'm trying to remember who even won. Like, yeah, if, I think it was. I, I do believe it was Brady. Yeah, I think it was Tom. So, again, I looked at it as, well, when Carson Wentz was healthy and he couldn't help. I mean, he tore an ACL. It sucks. But he didn't tear it in week six, week seven. He tore it. You know, he he, he was the reason the Eagles were 10-2, essentially. Like, his play was the reason they were that good. And they ended up winning that Rams game, which, by the way, was his best game of the season. I mean – Wentz was on pace to throw like six or seven touchdown passes the way he was going. Uh, 2017, Tom Brady was the MVP, correct? Okay. Uh, so it was Brady who took it. Uh, yeah, you and I have a basic disagreement. Yeah, we do. MVP <laughs> okay. means you much finish the season. It is not who was the best player for a period of time in the season. It's season's over. Now we decide who the MVP is. Let's look back at all 17 weeks and see who had the greatest influence, who was the most valuable player. That's how you decide who the most valuable player is. If that were the case in the NBA this year, I would have given Joely uh, MVP. And, uh, I because, was a proponent of Joel. So. <laughs> right. At least you're consistent. Good for you. You can't. And there's a reason why Joker won it round going away, because the way they decide the MVP is over the entire season, not a a portion of it. Sometimes it's a big portion, and both Joel and and Carson were uh, Wentz had pretty big portions, but it's got to be a full portion, as a matter of fact. I right, uh, let me ask you a question, Kerr. What are you doing tonight at eight o'clock? I'm watching the Hall of Fame game. <laughs> I just said, I mean, the tour of file in the Olympics is over, so I don't think I want to watch a four by one hundred men's relay tape delayed disaster, whatever it is. I don't even know if it's going to be tape delayed. I'm watching football tonight. Football is back on. And I want to see Dwayne Haskins beat up on the four string Cowboys defense. <laughs> as as a matter of fact, uh, I, I want to thank uh, Major League Baseball for their scheduling to get the Phillies done with a late afternoon game, a four o'clock start for the Phillies. So they've won uh, four games in a row and are only a game and a half out of first place right now. So that's a good thing. I do want to watch Phillies should be over and done with, although the Phillies do play long games. It uh, should be done by eight o'clock which allows you to just tune into the Cowboys and the Steelers. I, I wouldn't have cared if it were, let me see, what's an indescript matchup. Uh, the Jaguars against the Cardinals. If that, oh, no, I shouldn't, shouldn't use the Cardinals. I actually think the Cardinals are going to be good. Jaguars-Lions. Oh, no, Dan Campbell's a pretty good story. Uh, I know. I want to watch nuts. You want to watch Dan Campbell. Give me another team other than the Jaguars that you really don't care about this upcoming season. How about the Texans? They're going to be terrible. There you go. Well, no, that's Deshaun Watson. We want to see what the announcers have to get out of the David Culley, who you said it to John when we had him on earlier. He looks perplexed. I feel really badly for David Culley because he's got to answer questions about Deshaun Watson day in the day out because he's there. They have put him on an injured list. They say he's got an ankle and 
I think it's a hamstring, but he's not practicing at all, but he is going to meetings and he is out on the field. He is ready to participate. They just say he's not cleared medically. And David Culley gets fired questions at him every single day, as he should. The, the Houston media doing their job, they have to ask the coach these questions. Either they are purposefully keeping him in the dark or he just doesn't have any idea what the hell is going on here because I've seen a couple of video clips of him being asked about Deshaun Watson. So that that's intriguing in an off-the-field type way. What's the best who-the-hell-cares team other than the Jaguars? Uh, I can't say the Jets, although the Jets might not be great this year. But they're the Well, Jets. Zach Wilson didn't sign his contract. You could say that. that that's true. They're going to hustle to get him up to speed for week number one. Up, 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 uh, what Panthers uh, with Sam Matt Darnold? Rule, Matt Rule's kind of exciting, though. Like, uh, Christian McCaffrey's back, so you got I'll give you one. The, the Falcons, I know the Eagles oh, play yeah, the week Falcons, one, but yeah, they, they, the Falcons are pretty – I know they got a new coach, too, but Falcons-Jaguars. If that were the uh, uh, game tonight, I'd still be watching every single snap just because it's the return of the National Football League. Uh, for the Eagles, our viewers here on Birds 365, it's the Cowboys, even if it's just the first game, even if Dak is going to be sitting on the sideline, every single legal fan should be watching tonight just because it's the Cowboys. And yes, I, I don't think the Cowboys are going to be great this year. They should be better than they were last year because Eagle fans, you will remember this name forever. Ben DiNucci should have never taken a snap in a National Football League game. That was one of the worst displays. As bad as Carson Wentz was last year, he was so far and away the best quarterback on the field that night because Ben DiNucci was so bad. Uh, unfortunately, fans, you may see Ben DiNucci tonight. You may get a serving of Ben DiNucci when the games do actually start. You know, Tom of the year came in that game. Uh, of any broadcaster came in that game with Chris Collins were compared Ben DiNucci to Patrick Mahomes. Remember that when he did the sideline show? I'm like, what did he just say? He compared him to who? And I talked to a couple of cheese players after that. They were laughing. They're like, oh, man. I know it's a boring game, but that's what you went with. I, Collins were fan. It's, it's there's sometimes of him. I, I just got to laugh. I'm I'm a Collinsworth fan, but uh, as a matter of fact, I don't recall that. I believe you when you say it. Uh, what was he? Are they both the same height? Um, did they? Yeah, like did they the both side. like to go to McDonald's? What can those two actually have in comparison? I don't know what that is. Patrick Mahomes is still the only person I know that puts ketchup on a steak. Oh no, I know a lot, a lot of people. Uh, it, yours, it, it, yours truly, you're truly guilty as charged as a younger person. Um, I remember my father took me out for a very nice steak. Uh, shoot. I don't even know if I was in high school yet. I might've still been in grade school. We went to a basketball game at Madison square garden, as a matter of fact, and they took us out for a nice New York city steak afterwards. And he just shook his head when I put ketchup on my steak. I said, dad, I like the ketchup. I have since elevated my steak eating game to using steak sauce. But when I was a kid, I, yeah, I, I use ketchup all the time, but, uh, enlighten me. Tell me, I do not remember this. How did Collingsworth compare Ben DiNucci to Patrick Mahomes? So it was Brandon Graham, and I think the other pass rusher was Barnett, I, I think. But I know it was definitely Graham. And they chased DiNucci to the sideline, and DiNucci was rolling to his right. And DiNucci threw, like, a sideline pass like this, like kind of like how Mahomes does. And that's how he compared it to it. And it wasn't really close. I forget who the receiver was. 
And Collinsworth, like, I think Collinsworth was just bored with the game at this point. He goes, and I was like Patrick Mahomes. And I'm like, what? And then. Did, did, did um, I'm sorry that I don't remember this. I watched the entire game and I honestly don't remember it. Did he complete that pass or did he just attempt that he, pass? I don't even think he did. I think it was out of bounds. I, I think the receiver caught it, but it was out of balance. And like, he goes, yeah. I was like, I'm like, what are you talking about, Chris? Like, Come on, man! You're better than that. Like that game is so terrible. It's I just think he was trying to get through four quarters at that point. The only way you make that statement is, who does he think he is, Patrick Mahomes? Is he That's kidding himself by for. attempting that type of play? By the way, Jody, speaking of Collinsworth, I actually thought he called a pretty good Super Bowl when the Eagles were in it. A lot of people criticized him for a lot of his. Re- I actually thought he called a good game. I'll. Uh quickly give you this story and then we'll take the last 10 minutes and wrap up everything that we've said here on birds 365 uh 1993 before your time young man um phillies are playing the toronto blue jays in the world series and i have a friend who i had met previously who was a fellow talk show host in toronto uh and i called him before the series. hey your team against my team before the series started he said, let's make a bet on it. We'll do like the mayors of the towns do. I'll come on your show. You come on my show. So we did. And uh, the bet was that he was going to have to play um, boys to men, Philadelphia group, as his return music on his show for the entire week. All the boys to men catalog. Every time he went to break, he had to play uh, boys to men. And if the, end of the road. <laughs> if the Blue Jays won... I had to play Bare Naked Ladies, which was a famous Toronto group. Every single return, so I had to get the okay of my program director, make the bet. He goes, yeah, fine. Phillies better win, though, McDonald, which, of course, they didn't. So I took grief for it. Um, but uh, I shopped on his show. He opted on my show. The only thing in common of our two shows was that in Toronto, they were complaining about um, Tim McCarver announcing the World Series because he was Steve Carlton's former catcher and uh, he was looking at it through Philly colored glasses and how dare he not give Toronto's uh, players a chance and he was just blatantly in the Phillies corner. Meanwhile in Philadelphia I'm fielding calls. Why is this bum calling the World Series? Did, did, did he ever work in Toronto? Does he live in Toronto? Is he getting paid by Toronto? They thought he was voting against them and voting for them. And I'm watching the World Series. I'm going, he's calling it down the middle. He's not a Toronto guy. He's not a Philadelphia guy, even though he had Philadelphia roots. He's just calling it down the middle. But people get so entrenched with listening to their hometown announcers that they believe every game should be called that way. Through the prism of the hometown announcer's eyes, when someone's calling a game nationally, that's not their job. They're supposed to do it unbiasedly and call it down the middle. So, therefore, both teams, both fan bases hated McCarver in that one. And that's what I think Chris Collinsworth faces every single game that he does. Uh, he thinks he's terrible. He's, he's rooting for the other team. No, he's not. You just don't understand. Yeah, and here's my thing with Collinsworth. Like, I actually like the guy, like, you know, uh, overall. But there are a couple times where I'm just like, I have to laugh at some of the stuff he says. And, I, I know Florio gets on on Pro Football Talk a lot when he comes on about, like, calls he makes and stuff like that. But uh, overall, like, it, I'm a little biased here because I work for CBS, but Nance and Roma are by far my favorite if I really had to go with that. But I, I agree with you. Like, just calling – just 
not even calling games, just watching games from a national perspective. Ever since I've started doing like national NFL coverage, I realized something. I hate everybody's team. Uh, apparently I hate everybody. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, even some Chiefs fans say I hate the Chiefs. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you guys know, like, I love Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes to death. Like, I don't hate your team. I'm just calling it like it is. I have realized that over the years, especially now. I hate everybody's team. It's just the way it is. <laughs> and uh, keep doing your job the way you're doing your job, because that means if they're if everybody's hating you, that means you're doing a good job. That means you're staying to the straight and narrow and, and giving a honest opinion on the teams. All right, do we need to get an honest opinion on the Pittsburgh Steelers tonight? Because, yes, they are going to be in the Hall of Fame game. They will have their ex second exhibition game one week from tonight, and that will be against the Philadelphia Eagles. So, yeah, they're going to be a, a little bit of a head-of-the-curve advantage for the Eagles this way. Do you need to scout the Pittsburgh Steelers tonight if you're an Eagles fan? I kind of want to watch their offense. And it's going to be so vanilla, but uh, Mac uh, Canada is their offense coordinator now. And uh, believe it or not, I'm interviewing Chase Claypool later today. So I kind of want to get his thoughts on the Eagles going into next week. And hopefully, you know, he's probably thinking more of, I don't even know if he's going to play tonight, honestly. I, I'm assuming he's going to line up, but uh, I'm just going to look at it as, okay, what's this offense doing? Like, what's their front, the stuff like that, you know, how, how are they going to line up at receiver? Because it seems like Matt Canada is just like Randy Fitchner. It's more of – he gets his receivers more in the space, basically from what I've watched. So I'm curious to see how that looks. And I think I'll be a decent test for the Eagles defense because maybe Pittsburgh plays more starters in that game than the Eagles will. Let me get your uh, read on someone I know we're going to see tonight. Uh, and I'm kind of sitting on a fence now, which I'm not happy that I'm on the fence. And that's uh, the starting quarterback for the Steelers, Mason Rudolph. I talked him up pretty good coming into the NFL. Um, I thought he had a chance to be drafted higher than he was. I was absolutely perfectly fine with where he landed. I thought Pittsburgh was a good place for him because I didn't think he was ready to step in and play as a rookie. I thought a learning curve was uh, in, in place and attached for him. Um, he's actually played a fairly good amount because Ben has had the physical issues that he's had, and he hasn't played great. Uh, again, it all comes down to your perception. Um, some people thought that he was going to step in and be Ben Roethlisberger. I was never that high on him. I liked him in the draft and talked him up a pretty, pretty good blue streak prior to. Um, he has not been good. I don't think he's been terrible, but I will say my confidence in him has certainly wavered. And uh, if Roethlisberger goes down uh, this year or misses any extended period of time, and Rudolph jumps in and plays to the same level that he's played so far. Yeah, I'm washing my hands of him. Uh, every once in a while, you got to admit, okay, I overstated. I was wrong. And I'm on the fence about doing that with uh, Mason Rudolph right now. What was your take on him when he came into the NFL? Do you actually think he can become the future quarterback of these Steelers? You know, I once thought Mason Rudolph, they were going to develop him to be Ben's long-term successor, and I still think they are trying to find Ben's long-term successor. Um, the Mason Rudolph thing, I kind of soured on him during that Cleveland game. Uh, I actually covered that Thursday night football game with the fight a couple years ago. That's when I kind of soured on him and said, you know what, maybe this guy, he just isn't it. You know, it's because this is a talented offense, and I, I know Steelers – 
their offensive line has gone downhill a little bit, and their running game has definitely gone downhill. But overall, I just don't feel like Mason Rudolph is going to be the guy. That's why I think they brought in Dwayne Haskins. I think they took a shot on him and his baggage and said, you know what, maybe we can repair his image. He's a first-round talent. We can develop him. I actually think Mason Rudolph is fighting with Dwayne Haskins for that backup quarterback job right now and who's going to be Ben's uh, long-term successor. But if I want to be completely honest as of right now, I don't think they have that guy on their roster. I think they're hoping it's Dwayne Haskins, but I I just don't think they have that guy. I think Pittsburgh's got to take a risk here and draft a quarterback high. If they have a bad year, that's when they really got to look at the Malik Wills of the world and the Spencer Rattlers and say, you know what, we may need to go get a guy now. Hmm. Very interesting, and uh, I, I also said that I liked Haskins when he came out. Um, I think it was more so I liked Haskins better than Daniel Jones, who he went in front of, and I said, I think the Redskins took the right guy because some people suggested that the uh, Redskins uh, uh, should have gone in a different direction. I didn't agree with that, but I didn't love Haskins either, so um, if you're asking me to project and predict here, I'm with you. I think the next franchise quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers is not on the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, roster right now. If it is, I'd suggest that it's more Mason Rudolph than Haskins, but I don't even know that uh, that guy is in a Steeler uniform. All right, uh, one last thing for you. I don't know if you read about this today. We just referenced Tom Brady in his 2017 MVP. Brady is going on the road this weekend. Uh, Tampa's going to take a day off from practice. It might have been pre-scheduled or it might have been rescheduled as a day off. And he and his head coach are heading to Canton, Ohio. Yeah, I did see that. that. They're <laughs> going to be there for the induction, and it's a lot of players' inductions, but specifically for Peyton Manning's induction. And I know if we're doing a show in Tampa or if we're doing it still in New England, because Brady, in a lot of people's minds, will be a Patriot forever. A whole bunch of fans would have an opinion on this because – you're supposed to hate the opponent. You're supposed to want to poke him in the eye every time you see him. You're never supposed to acknowledge the opponent in any way, shape, or form. I I really appreciate the fact that both Bruce Arians, who was Peyton Manning's first uh, quarterback coach when he came into the league with the Colts, or maybe it was offensive coordinator. I know he's at least a quarterback coach. Um, and, of course, Brady and Manning back and forth, all the games they played together, AFC championship games decided against each other. I think it's both uh, neat and cool and deserving that uh, Brady be in attendance for Manning's uh, ceremony to get into Canton. What do you say? Well, this is how I look at it. I, I think Peyton Manning and Tom Brady have mutual respect. I mean, they really do. And one, Bruce Arians was Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator. For, was it okay? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, for a lot of years, um, or quarterback, he was with him for a while. So you know, there's there's a respect there, and you know, I know Peyton Manning has given a lot of credit to Bruce Arians for a lot of things, and Edron James as well. And I don't even think Edron he was directly affiliated with Edron James, who's also going in this weekend. So Bruce Arians has a reason to be there, and I just think Tom Brady looks at Peyton Manning and said, you know what, if it wasn't for Peyton. I probably have a lot more Super Bowls. I probably have a lot more <laughs> title. I, I I probably have a ring for every finger and, and thumb. You know, that Peyton Manning to me, it's it's a shame Tom Brady was around because Peyton Manning would probably be Tom Brady. I I mean essentially, and I just think those two were in so many battles over the years. And look, Peyton Manning never went to the NFC. Uh, he stayed in the AFC, and he was the first, I think, quarterback to win a Super Bowl with two different teams. If I'm not mistaken, it's it's Manning and it's Brady, and that's it. And 
so yeah, I, I think there's a mutual respect for their game. I, I think you know Peyton Manning will be at Tom Brady's Hall of Fame ceremony, and I think there's an episode of Peyton's places with Tom Brady. I I have to watch. I watched season one, but I think he did do one with season in season two with Brady. I really want to catch up on. I think it was like on Brady's year last year or something like that. But overall, like I, I think that is cool. I, I really do. I love the fact that Tom Brady and Peyton Manning are pretty much you know. I don't want to say that they're really good friends or anything, but th there definitely is a lot of respect for them, for each other, and the battles they've been suited. And then, you know, Brady knows when Manning got the better of him. And, you know, I thought the rivalry finally came full circle in the 2007 AFC Championship game when I think it was 21 to 3 at halftime. I think it ended up getting, I think it ended up being 24 to 3, and Peyton Manning led the Colts back, and Marlon Jackson had to pick off Brady. And that set the tone for Manning's uh, first Super Bowl title. And, I think that's when that rivalry really came full circle because to that point, Peyton was not a postseason quarterback. He just didn't win the postseason and he didn't play well in the postseason. And that kind of made Peyton Manning, you know, Peyton Manning, I, I felt like Peyton Manning was already a great quarterback. He was going to go Hall of Fame based on his stats. But people were thinking of him as Dan Marino or Dan Fouts. That day made Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning, uh, you know, champion, even though he didn't win the Super Bowl yet. But Overall, I think it's going to be really cool, and I hope Peyton Manning kind of gives a shout-out to Tom Brady this weekend. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. All right, J.K., last thing. I don't think you and I have done this yet, uh, and I surely never did it with John, and it's probably completely unfair, and that's why I have no issues uh, whatsoever in, in putting you on the spot. Give me a camp prediction today. What will be the number one story that we're talking about First thing, 22 hours from now, right here on Birds 365. Oh, man. Um, well, let's see. Sirianni talks today. I think what – you know what? We haven't really talked about the running backs much. I feel like Miles Sanders is going to have a good day, and I think we're going to talk about how good Miles Sanders can be this year. Because I'm a Penn State guy. I'm really high on Miles Sanders to begin with, but I'm getting tired of hearing Miles Sanders dropping passes all the time <laughs> in, in practice. And he used the most drops last year. I've, I've heard that before, but – I think Miles Sanders can really make this offense go when it's all said and done. Uh, good. That's a distinct possibility. I like it. Or maybe Jalen Hurts has his best day of camp. I hope he so does. Far I, this really year. <laughs> I, I hope he's talked. I, I hope he speaks today. I hope he's fired up and he says what he's been saying. I, I can only control what I can control because I feel like it's going to be a mess there just because of the report from my colleague, Chris, that came out last night. It, it, it's just the way it is. Unfortunately, the Eagles need to name Jalen Hurts their starting quarterback. Yeah, that wouldn't hurt. Maybe Sirianni goes there. Maybe that's what we're talking about tomorrow. We don't know just yet, but we've got 22 hours to figure it out, and we will be back here in 20, 22 hours. Mr. Carr, I'll see you tomorrow, buddy. Thanks for uh, doing this with us today. Yep. Um, I'm, a, I'm actually excited tomorrow. I'm going to the link for a media tour, so I'm getting ready to start covering these games again. I haven't been in the NFL stadium in two years, so I'm – Looking forward to it. Very nice. Have a good time on the tour. And, oh, by the way, you did uh, secure Chris Trapasso to join us tomorrow, correct? Yep, tomorrow morning. Chris Trapasso will be on with us. Chris Landry is going to be on with us as well. And we're going to have a McMullen report. So there's no reason for you not to be back here 22 hours from now on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.